Thanks for joining us this week as we continue with the second installment of our Jonah series. This week, Trey is teaching on the subject of reflections of a runaway. As we see Jonah sitting in the belly of a fish, he begins to reflect on his decision to run from God's presence and calling. Jonah's reflection can be good for our instruction. So let's listen in to hear the truths that God has for us. If you would, uh, take a copy of God's Word and find your way back to the book of Jonah tonight. Uh, We pick up with our second installment of our Jonah series that we started last week. So if you would make your way back to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament, we'll pick up in chapter 2 tonight. And God's Word says this, starting in verse 1, says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life, and the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I shared with you last week about how I almost called this series Jacked Up Jonah, just based off of how messed up Jonah seems to be at times in his life. And when we left him last week, if you'll remember, he was on the run. He was trying to escape the calling that God had placed upon his life to go to Nineveh and to preach a message of repentance. And all of that culminated in him being thrown into the sea and swallowed by what the Bible describes as a great fish. And so now we see Jonah in chapter 2. He's sitting in the belly of this great fish. And a man who was trying to escape God's presence now finds himself in an inescapable place. Now instead of running, he's reflecting. And that's where I believe God wants us to go tonight as we consider this subject, Reflections of a Runaway. I can remember as a little kid getting upset with my parents one time because of the decision that they made for me, so I decided that I would run away. Any of you ever done that as a kid? You ever just got so mad at your parents that you thought the best thing to do to just show them what it was like? You know what? I'll just run away then. You know, how about that? I bet if I ran away, nobody in this house would even miss me. So, mm, I'm going to run away. Well, I got this bright idea as a kid. Uh, I got mad at my parents. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to run away. We had a creek behind our house. Uh, we lived on about two or three acres of land. On the very back side of our property, we had a creek. And so I thought, you know what? That's where I'll go. I'll go to the creek. I'll build me a fort. I'll take my BB gun. And I got all I need, man. I'm going to live off the land. It ain't going to be no thing. I'll be fine when I get back there. And so I grabbed my BB gun. I ran out the house and went all the way back to the creek. The first thing that I did was I started working on building me a shelter because I knew it was going to be dark before long. I was like, man, i, I got to find something to sleep under tonight. And then once I get that built, I 
take my BB gun, I'll kill me a rabbit or something, and there's dinner, baby. So I thought, I'm going to be good. I'm going to show them up. I'm going to show them make decisions for me as a nine-year-old kid. Don't they know I'm in control of my life? I got it all figured out. I'm going to run away. So as I got back there, I began to work. So I gathered me up some sticks and some leaves, and I was going to try and build me something to sleep under that night. And as I began to work, it became evident that the shelter probably wasn't going to take place. And so I sat down out of frustration, and I began to reflect upon the decision that I had just made to run away. And the longer that I sat there and began to reflect upon that decision, the more apparent it became just how bad of a decision that it was and how stupid it was for me to decide to go run away and sleep out in the woods full of snakes and mosquitoes when there's a nice cool house right behind me with a warm bed and a home-cooked meal that I could be enjoying instead. So as I began to reflect on that decision that I had made to run away, I came to the conclusion that, you know what, probably not the best idea. I'm going to take my BB gun, and I'm going to go back home. To which case, nobody had really even noticed that I was gone to begin with. So reflection can do good sometimes when we make brash decisions. And as Jonah is sitting in the belly of the fish in chapter 2, in the dark, all alone, I can promise you he had time to reflect on the decision that he had made to run. Because sometimes God has to send us to a place where we have nowhere else to go and no one else to turn to so that he can put us back on path. And Jonah is sitting there and he's reflecting on all that has happened that has led him to this place and he's realized some things. And as he has realized these things, in chapter 2 he begins to pray. And his prayer shows us what he has learned from trying to escape his calling. First off, as Jonah's sitting in the belly of this fish, and he's reflecting, he realizes that there's discipline for actions. There's discipline for actions. Look back at verse 2 for a moment. And notice what he says at the beginning of his prayer. It says that, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. Listen to me, men and women of God. Running from a divine calling usually leads to running into a desperate circumstance. I've seen this to be true and evident in my own life. To where you run from a divine calling that God has placed in your life, and ultimately it leads you to running into a desperate circumstance. And chapter 2, Jonah's first words of his prayer was, I called out to you out of my distress. Jonah should have never been in any distress. He should have been obedient from the beginning to follow the calling that God has placed upon his life. But as he's reflecting on his decision to run away, he realizes instead of running into my divine calling, I've ran into a desperate circumstance instead. And he realizes that it's because of his own choice to be disobedient. Sometimes we want to blame God for the desperate circumstances that we find ourselves in. But in reality, it's really just our own disobedience that led us there to begin with. But what Jonah began to realize is that in all actuality, God is disciplining him. 
which should actually be seen as a good thing. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 say this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. God's discipline in our life should actually be seen as a good thing. So a lack of God's discipline in our lives shouldn't be something to celebrate, but something to be concerned over if it's not there. Because God disciplines those that He loves. He disciplines His own. His discipline is good in our lives. So don't look at discipline as being necessarily a bad thing. Discipline is something that God does in the lives of His children as an act of love. So a lack of God's discipline in our lives shouldn't be something that we celebrate. Oh yeah, I got away with it. Look at me. God's really not that big and bad after all. He called me to go do this. I did something else. There's no repercussions. So yeah, I'm good. I'm in the clear. We shouldn't celebrate that. We should be concerned over it. Because God's discipline should be evident in the lives of those that are His and those that He loves. So His discipline is a good thing. And Jonah is beginning to realize that little by little. And as he continues to reflect on what has happened, he, he realizes something else. Look at verse 3. He says something interesting here because he, he says, For you, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. Wait a minute, Jonah. I thought the sailors on the ship that you were on trying to escape God's presence were the ones that threw you into the sea. But what Jonah began to realize as he reflected on his decision was that God was sovereign even in his current situation. It wasn't just the sailors that threw him overboard. It was God working sovereignly through the sailors to throw him overboard because he knew that was the best thing that could happen in Jonah's life at that moment. You may think, well, that's not a very loving thing that God did for Jonah. I mean, God's great act of love for Jonah as he's running away from his calling is to have him tossed overboard into the sea where he could have possibly drowned. How is that loving? How is that an act of grace from God to Jonah? But listen to me. Sometimes, sometimes God has to take drastic measures when he disciplines us in order to get our attention. So you know what? He might just remove that relationship. You know what? He might just allow that sickness to come into your life. He might just take away that lifelong dream or desire that you've had and that you've carried for so long. And here's the thing, even further than that, if you continue to wrestle with Him, and you continue to resist him, then he might just reach down and knock that hip out of socket so you can't run anymore. If you don't believe it, go to the book of Genesis and ask Jacob. Jacob spent the better portion of the beginning of his life running from God and his brother Esau. Until God showed up one day and they had a wrestling match. And out of God's great love for Jacob, remember what he did? He touched his hip and knocked it out of place. In other words, Jacob, I'm not going to let you continue running any longer. No more running. And it seems like a drastic measure. It seems like a, 
a vicious act for God to do such drastic things in our lives, but sometimes it's exactly what's needed to get our attention. Everything that He does in our lives is motivated by His love for us. So because of God's great love and the plans that He has to use you for His glory and for His name, He might take drastic measures in your life in the form of discipline to get you to wake up and realize you're not on the right path that He set you on to begin with. So as Jonah is reflecting, he, he sees that there's discipline for his actions, but he begins to realize something else as he continues reflecting. He, he realizes that not only is he being disciplined, but he, he realizes his distance from God. Check out verse 4. God's Word says, as Jonah is reflecting, he says that, Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Driven away from your sight. For the first time, Jonah actually feels a distance between him and God. Just a few days ago, he could have cared less. Just a few days ago, he was at peace with the lack of God's presence in his life, and now he's in pain desiring it to come back. It's funny how circumstances so many times can change your perspective on the things that you're going through in life. A few days earlier, Jonah was in the bottom of the ship and he's at complete peace and he's in complete comfort because he feels like he's escaped God's presence. But now when you change the scenery, now when you change the circumstances, now when you change the situation of Jonah's life and you put him in the belly of the fish where he has nowhere else to go and no one else to turn to and it's dark and it's nasty and it's smelly and he's all alone, he begins to realize, God, where are you? I don't like this distance now all of a sudden that I feel between us. And Jonah begins to realize there's distance there that he's not okay with. He's not at peace with it anymore. And it's actually causing pain in his life. And so it should be in the life of any believer that feels like they're distanced from God in their lives. We should never be okay with it. We should never feel at peace. We should never be comfortable with the lack of God's presence in our life due to us running away from it. It should cause us deep pain inside. It should cause our heart to be discomforted, to be in anguish and to cry out to God, Where are you? I'm sorry. I messed up. I made a bad decision. When I decided to try running away that time as a kid, really it was all about one thing for me, and that was distance. It was all about distance. I wanted as much of it as I could get between me and my parents, because I didn't like the decision that they had made for me. So I wanted as much distance as I could get between me and them to show how displeased I was. But what I soon realized was that I was actually running away from the people that loved me the most. And so I went running back. So many times when we distance ourselves from the people that we love, it's basically us giving them a sign of being displeased. I'm going to distance myself from you because I'm displeased with you. Why do you think this happens in relationships? 
Now, I'm just talking about dating relationships. I'm just talking about friendship relationships that go wrong sometimes. Something happens and the relationship is severed. And what happens? You keep your distance from that person, right? It's funny to watch this actually take place in the real world. You can tell people that have had a bad relationship, Matt. If me and Matt had a falling out, more than likely, just by common nature, if Matt walked into the room, what am I going to do? Walk out. If Matt shows up at the restaurant, what am I probably going to do? Walk out. If I know Matt's going to the party that I got invited to, what am I probably going to do? Not attend. Distance. I want distance as much as I can get between me and him because I'm displeased with him. He ticked me off. He hurt me. I'm not happy. I don't want to see his face. Get out. Please, get out. Distance. As far as I can get. Ugh. He stinks. I want as much distance as I can get between me and him. And so it is with believers when we decide we want to run from God's presence in our lives. God, I want my distance from you because I'm displeased with you. Because I don't agree with this decision that you have made. I don't like this calling that you have placed upon my life. I've, I don't like these plans that you've laid out for me. I figured out my own purpose in life. Or this, I'm just scared to submit, and so I'll run. And I want as much distance as I can get between me and Him because I'm displeased with what He's asking of me. But we need to realize that when we do so, we're only running away from the one who loves us the most. But here's the thing about running away. You can always run back. You can always run back. Look at what Jonah says in verse 4 again. In the first part he says, I'm driven away from your sight. But in the second part he says, Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. When Solomon built the house of the Lord, he had a special day in which he dedicated it to God's service and to the people. And on that day, he established a promise, a covenant with God, saying that, God, here's what I want you to do so that you can be magnified and you can be glorified among all peoples whenever your people sin against you, if they will turn and look to your house and pray and seek your face and return back to you, I ask that you would forgive their sins. Jonah knew that promise. Jonah had ran. He had rebelled. He's in a dark and lonely place. And yet he's looking back to the temple. In other words, he's saying, I'm done running away. And I'm running back. And it reminds me of the prodigal son who decided that he had better plans for his own life, who decided he had things that he would rather do with his time and with his inheritance. And so he took all that his father had to give him and he ran away. 
And he began to live life exactly how he wanted to live it, doing his own thing on his own time in his own way. And after he had squandered everything that his father had gave him, and he finds himself where? In the pig pen, trying to steal away supper from the sows. And in that moment, he comes to the realization as he reflects on what he had that he ran away from. He says, why in the world am I going to sit here and try and steal supper from the pigs when I can go back to my father's house? He had ran away. But when he came to the realization, reflecting on the decisions that he made, he said, you know what? If I can run away, then surely I could run back. And he goes running back home. And who does he find standing there ready to receive him other than his father? Waiting ever since he left with anticipation for him to come back home. And as he sees his son top the hill, he says, there he is! There's my son! And he goes running out to meet him. He doesn't wait for his son to get to him. He runs out and meets him and grabs him and scoots him up. He says, this is my son who was lost but now is found. Let's throw a party. Let's celebrate. Let's kill the fatted calf. Let's put the finest coat that I've got around his body. Go put a ring on his finger. Because he's back. He's back. You think your heavenly father won't do the same for you if you decide to turn and run back home after you've been running away for so long? I promise you that He will. His promises still stand today. And one of my favorite ones in all of Scripture is that He will never leave you or forsake you. So it doesn't matter if you run. Run all you want. You can run, Blake. Run, run, run. But God's promise to you is that I will always remain. Come back. You can come back. There are some people in this place tonight who have been running and running and running. And God's word of encouragement to you, He still remains. And you can decide to run back. So Jonah realizes that, yes, God is disciplining him. And he realizes that, yes, he has distanced himself from God. But God is and always will be there when he returns. But then Jonah reflects even deeper. And he begins to understand that when it's all said and done, death was really what he deserved. Look at verse 5. As Jonah continues reflecting while he's in the belly of the fish, he says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. And the deep surrounded me, and weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Jonah realized that death was the very thing that he indeed did deserve. He didn't deserve to be rescued as he was sinking to the bottom of the ocean. After all, he'd been running from God's calling and God's presence in his life. The last thing that he deserved was to be rescued by the same God that he was running from. Sounds like a familiar storyline. 
Because the last thing any of us deserve was to be ultimately rescued through Jesus Christ from the very God that we were spending our lives running from. And that's good. Jonah didn't deserve to be rescued. He realizes that as he's sitting in this well, fish, whatever it was. And his tone begins to change at this point. Because the realization is getting better and better of what God has done for his life. Because as you look in the second part of verse 6 and in verse 7, you see God's grace steps in. Jonah says in the second part of verse 6, Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. God's grace stepped into Jonah's life. See, grace is receiving that which we didn't deserve or earn. That's what grace is in its simplest form. It's receiving that which we didn't deserve or earn. Earn. It's just simply how our God chooses to love us. Psalm 103 verses 8 through 13 says this, that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You know, I can't get over that one statement in that passage where it says that he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I would just love to say something really great to really amplify that, but you can't. You can't. There is nothing to add. There is nothing to subtract. It's just a matter of absorption. God loves us that much that He chooses in His infinite, unending grace to not deal with us like we deserve. Man, I get so frustrated with people sometimes. I get so frustrated with myself sometimes. I'm just like, God, how you have managed to restrain from just thumping me off the face of this earth and existence, I can't understand. But that's His grace. And Jonah is realizing God's grace. And what it leads to is a renewed commitment. A realization of God's grace should always lead to a renewed commitment. Jonah wraps up in verse 8 and 9. He says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay 
Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah, finally at this point, after running down to Joppa, hopping on board a ship that was headed for Tarshish, being thrown overboard into the sea, sinking to the bottom of the ocean, thinking that this is it, my life is over, to waking up in the belly of a fish and spending the night there for three days. Finally, at this point, decides to yield to God's calling upon his life. God, I pray that we would stop being so stubborn with what he is calling us to. What is it going to take in your life for you to finally yield to the calling that God has placed upon it? How many times will we choose to reject? How many times will we continue to choose to run? How many nights are we going to have to stay in the belly of a fish, in the pitch black dark, all alone, stinky, smelly, rotten? Can you even imagine? I, I, I can't wait to talk to this cat one day when we get to heaven. I'll be like, dude, what was that junk like? How did that even work? I mean, I don't understand. Like, imagine what it was like to be in that space. Just, oh, nasty. Fish guts everywhere, nasty water. I guarantee you that sucker has some rank breath, too. You ever ate a can of sardines? Shoo! That was like Jonah's air freshener for three days. And yet we're guilty in the same way so many times of being just like Him. We could have called this series Just Like Jonah. To where we decide we would rather run from God's calling and resist and spend the night in dark, lonely, smelly places rather than obtain the blessings that God has for our life and fulfill the calling that He has placed upon us. Me and Matt Daniels was talking about it earlier. I'm like, man, do you realize Jonah was a preacher? Let me, let me talk to the preacher. We're, we're good now. Everything's been patched up. I'm not mad at Matt anymore. So we're good. God restored the relationship. Let me talk to you, bro, from preacher to preacher. If God called you specifically to go to some city and preach a message of repentance and revival that literally thousands of people would be saved at, wouldn't you jump all over that opportunity? I mean, we beg and plead for people to give their life to Jesus every week here. And so many times it's unfruitful. So many times nobody comes. God shows up at Jonah and he says, Hey man, go to this city. All these people are going to repent. Thousands are going to come to salvation. He runs another direction. It's stupid, right? Idiot. And yet, God knows the hearts of every person in here. And how many of us are doing the exact same thing? You know the calling that He's placed upon your life, and yet you decide to go in the other direction. Instead of a life of blessing, we'd rather have a life of burden. But, but look at what God's setting up for Jonah. In verse 10, I think this is so stinking awesome. You're going to love it. It says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. What an exit. 
<laughs> I mean, instead of rolling into Nineveh with his nice preaching clothes on, getting ready to deliver a message, he walks up with some leftover puke on his shoulder. But this is where, this is where it's cool. This is the good part. I want to leave on a good note tonight. I want to leave on an encouraging note tonight because I think this is just so amazing. I, I want you to see that the same instrument that disciplined Jonah became the vessel that delivered Jonah. I love it. That's so awesome. It's so just like our God. Watch and see. Discipline's not fun. We all hate it, right? I didn't enjoy being whipped by my parents. But wait and see if so often in your life, if the very thing that God uses to discipline you is not also the very same thing He uses to deliver you. Guess where Jonah just so happened to be spit up at? Right on the banks of the city he was supposed to go to to begin with. What about you? Where are you running from? Hopefully tonight's been an opportunity for you to begin to reflect on the fact that you might just be running from the very thing that God called you to do. Here's what I want you to remember. You can always go running back. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We all have been guilty of running from God at times, but what an encouragement it is to know that even though we may run, He remains. God is setting up a second chance for Jonah, and He is more than willing to do the same for us if we just will stop running away, reflect, repent, and run back to him. Make sure to check back in next week to see what happens in Jonah's story.